Welcome to the What's Your Truth podcast, the show that not only showcases the best of independent artists, but also explores what inspires them, what drives them, and what they consider their fundamental purpose as an artist to be. Today on the show, we have supergroup W.D. Hahn, originally hailing from Florida and recently swimming upstream to move into the Los Angeles scene. These guys are a three-piece rock band from outer space. W.D. Hahn is a band quite literally built on love and music comprised of husband and wife team Spencer and Leah on vocals and drums, respectively, and rounded up by guitarist Cal and his lovely wife and band manager Marjorie. Having seen these guys perform live and in person, I can tell you that they're a true force to be reckoned with in the world of music. Where to start? Reminiscent of bands including The Black Keys, Young the Giant, and Cage the Elephant, W.D. Hahn has three albums under their belt as well as over a decade of, as the band puts it, face-melting live shows. Their most recent single, titled Good Man, has been hailed as a soaring indie rock anthem that ignites the spirit and a soothing ode to the journey of self-reflection by TJPL News and Music Arena, respectively. As for their live set, High Energy doesn't even begin to cover it. The combination of Spencer's searing and soulful vocals, Leah's primal yet nuanced drumming, and Cal's incendiary fretwork, watching these guys perform isn't just a show, it's a freaking rocket ride. They've toured all over the place playing venues and festivals, including the Global Citizens Fest, Sunfest, The Viper Room, 97X, Next Big Thing, and Springboard West. They've shared the stage with acts including Paramore, Walk the Moon, Silver Sun Pickups, and Kaleo, and they've toured to Asia three times. It's hard to find a tighter knit group, and along with the fact that being comprised of two married couples, the band attribute their success to a love of fun, spontaneity, and lots of hard work. And it would appear that their hard work and dedication are paying off, as they've managed to grab the attention of no less than world-renowned songwriter and performer Ryan Tedder of One Republic, who very succinctly and appropriately states, this band is great. It's a pleasure to have them on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome W.D. Hahn. Well, wow. that was like the wow. best intro I think I've ever heard. That was the most flattering, <laughs> humbling intro I've ever heard. Well, you guys earned every word of it. I mean, I didn't make any of it up. <laughs> I'm going to need you to send me that so I can send it to my mom. <laughs> oh, you are, I will happily send that to you very much. Cool. Well, shall we roll into it? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So first question is, how did you guys decide that you wanted to become musicians? And by the way, you can answer one, all, in any sequence you like. Open floor. I'm easy. I'll let you guys go first. You go first. Me? Uh, okay, I'll go first. So I... Music wasn't even on my radar for a majority of my life. Um, I, I was into sports and I really liked basketball. And, you know, we would I would play basketball with music in the background, just shooting in the driveway and at practices and stuff. Um, and then I heard Jimi Hendrix and uh, I thought, wow, this guy's really good. So I asked my dad, because this was, I have to back up and kind of, um, tell people how old I am, but this was before streaming and before iTunes. And the only way to hear someone's music is you had to either hear it on the radio or buy the CD. And at the time I was a young kid who didn't really have much money to my name. So every album that I bought was like, okay, this is kind of a big purchase, you know? So I, I felt like I didn't have that much information on Jimi Hendrix and who he was. I heard one song in a movie and I was like, wow, this is awesome. It's the first time I've never paid attention to something other than the drums in a song. And so I asked my dad, I said, hey, dad, does, does this guy, Jimi Hendrix, have any other hits? Like, 
songs of his. This guy has potential. He could be going somewhere. He could be. Yeah. And he said, yeah, yeah, he does have other hits. You should check him out. He was very, very nice about it. And so I bought his album and loved every track on it and became a Hendrix fanatic. And from there, just continued to uh, to grow the music collection. And uh, the first guitar I got looked like the Woodstock Strat. It was definitely not the same price, but um, and then just went from there. That was speaking of which, who's that behind you? Oh yeah, and then now I have a dog. His name is Hendrix. There you go. Hey, say hi to Johnny. Hey, buddy. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Right on. And Leah? Oh, yeah. Um, I had been involved, um, you know, in school, music classes here and there. Piano here, like violin there. And I always had fun. But um, one year, my dad got our family a drum set for Christmas. It was the family Christmas present. Aww. Yeah, so at that point, there was just a drum set in the house, and my dad is a drummer, guitar player, and I would just start jamming with my dad, and we would, you know, play songs, play Jimi Hendrix, ACDC, and um, ended up kind of joining bands around, like, age 14, and then from there, like, once you're in, once you're in, you're in, and yeah. The rest is history. <laughs> 100%. That's so cool. He got a drum set for the family. Your dad, I already know he's like one of the coolest people on the planet. I've never met the guy. But that's, right. damn, that's awesome. <laughs> cool. And Spencer, what's your story? Um, I mean, my my very first uh, approach to music was when I was like a kid in school. Um, and then, you know, we it was I was in fourth grade. And then the school I was at, they were like, okay, everybody's going to play a stringed instrument you have to choose one <laughs> for the year um in in the hopes that some small percentage of people would pick it up and run with it um so i i played viola and i learned some basic songs but that was like the first thing i ever did i then i took some sax lessons at school a couple of years later um but for a while after that it was kind of nothing and then my you know cal and i were buddies in high school and he he had started, you know, he'd gone through his whole Hendrix journey and was playing music in a band. And I was like, okay, my friends play in a band. This is great. I'm I'm in the audience every time they play. I'll go watch and support and yell and, you know, support them like an idiot and make noises. And um had a great time doing that, but really just was kind of like, wow, it seems like everybody doing this is having a really good time. I wonder if I, I, they look so cool. I wish I could, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be that cool kind of thing, you know? Um, and so I, you know, just because we were all such good friends, I ended up hanging out at some band practices they had because we were hanging and um, I was absolutely terrified to sing in front of people. Um, like just, there was no way. It was like wor worst case scenario. Not even my friends. It was, in fact, that was maybe worse. Because, um, you know, it's not like a stranger I'm never going to see again. <laughs> it's like these people. Um, but they were very gracious. And so I, you know, I ended up messing around, played a couple, I played a song of practice, and then it was their next gig. And Cal 
called me up on the stage without telling me he was going to do that. Oh. <laughs> Surprise! For the, yeah, for the next song, we're going to have a special guest singer. Spencer's going to sing. So then, you know, of course, it's high school. You know, a bunch of our peers and friends are there, and they're like going like, Spencer, Spencer. You know, like oh, wow. no way. I could. I was seriously not going to go. I went up and did it. Um, and you know, like Leah said, once you're in, you're in. For, for me, I, I've talked about this on in other interviews before, but it was like just a little, you know, it was a little show. It was a, a high school band. It was it was not like I got up and played Woodstock or something, but I um it was it was like, uh oh, that's okay. Yeah, you ever have a moment where you're just like, okay, well that's what I'm gonna do with my life. Yeah. Um <laughs> that was it for me. It was like I was I had all that terror, all that nerves, all that, you know, like going up but then the second i just started doing it and it was like oh my this i don't know if i've talked about this very much before but like this we're playing together as a team there's something about that like even to this day i don't i i don't perform by myself i don't really have any desire to go be a singer songwriter like as a musician i am the front man i play music with these two like we're a team and i write music with them um and it was that was the thing like okay i want to play music with these people forever and that's what i've been doing since <laughs> that's so awesome and i will say it, it is cool like being with the group that you have especially when you've really got your line to each other dialed in and it's a live dialogue between you as much as it is between you and the and the fans and that really i can say again i've seen you guys and that really comes through in your performance and it makes it so much more powerful and bigger um like i said it, it, it's like a rocket ride watching you guys do what you do so it, it Whatever you're doing, it's working, man. <laughs> I think you know it's um, there's no there's no uh, replacement for just playing that many thousands of hours together in practice and songwriting and you know that many you know that much time in the studio that much time traveling together that much time you know so I I think especially for for Cal and Leah who are providing the you know the the music. Sometimes they have to just deal with me making a mistake. <laughs> it's but, true. Roll number one, you always follow the singer. Yeah, lead singer. Freaking guys. Anyway. Um, <laughs> freaking diva. Freaking lead singers. But, you know, like, it's it's definitely to the point where we could be mid-song mid or mid-something. And, you know, like, a speaker could explode or a mic could fall over or a cable could fall out or you know, a battery could die or the drumstick could fly, you know, like all, we, it's all happened. It's all happened for a piece of, you know, like, oh crap, I sang the first verse again, or, you know, like all these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we just kind of look at each other or Cal and Leah would just exchange a glance and then we're just kind of smoothly going into the next, you know, it's just kind of a lot of, just comes with familiarity. That's awesome. You guys are a well-oiled machine for sure. <laughs> So what was the first experience you remember having with music, like at all? I mean, how far back do we want to go? <laughs> Wherever uh, you want to take it, man. I think for me, the first, my, my first major, major one is um, my mom had this, this tiny little car, which no one in the U.S. has ever even heard of. It's a brand of car that's made in Australia called a Holden um and it was this little little tiny tiny little hatchback and she got the michael jackson 
like double CD where he has like the big bronze statue of him on the front. Yeah, greatest hit. Yeah. I think it was called. Yeah, history. Yeah, that's right. History. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I was I was maybe four or five, five maybe something. You know, little kid. And she, you know, she, you, when you when you're that age, your parents tell you something. And you're like, okay. And she's like, Michael Jackson's really great. Like, okay, Michael Jackson's really great. And then the music started playing. We would listen to it in the car every day. Okay, let's put on Michael Jackson, you know. Um, and I mean, it was it's true. Michael Jackson's really great. <laughs> it is true. And then not long after that, he he was he was touring, you know, on a world tour, and he went, he came to the big stadium in Melbourne. My mom took me to go see him. So that was kind of the first, my first, you know, experience of like listening to an artist being like, okay, I like Michael, you know, this is part of my identity. You know what I mean? How that you kind of, I like, fly. you put yourself out that way, you know, yeah, I like Michael Jackson, as if that was a risk. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but then, back then, until you know, I mean, it's true. And man, what a great introduction into music. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, you know, in hindsight, it quite literally couldn't have been better. I mean, it's like Cal hearing Hendrix and being yeah. like, is this guy, you know, do what is like, what's this guy's deal, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, just these classic songs um, on that album. So that was that was probably my first. Epic. I like the story. That's yeah. cool. Um, oh, my, yeah. First, my, my first contact with music would just be growing up uh, with my dad playing guitar in the house constantly since I was a baby. And just, I don't know, it's just that familiarity, I guess, was always really nice. And, you know, getting to play on his guitar and, you know, hit around. And, yeah, that was kind of my first contact. There's always music in the house. Yeah, I would I would say the same for for me. My mom would always sing in the house or in the car. Um, you know, we we were I lived in New Jersey, so my parents loved Bruce Springsteen and John Mellencamp and all those yeah. kinds of guys and and my dad guitar a little bit in the house and so I I'd, I'd always hear it, but I I never really wanted to pick it up until later on and then I started playing basketball and the guys that I was around, they were listening to a lot of rap. So it was like Petey Pablo, uh, like Nelly Furtado, even though that's not really like hardcore <laughs> rap. Where did that come from? Louis <laughs> uh, Chris uh, was a bit more a bit more out there. Um, he's awesome. And and then getting more into it for myself and, and discovering, you know, what I liked, which were more the classic rock things. Um, and then, yeah. I mean, what what else? How do you how do you go from there? It's kind of like you just want to pick up the guitar after that point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Awesome. And then, who are the biggest influences on your work, and why? Ooh. I mean, <clears throat> obviously Jimi Hendrix. Well, yeah, that we know. <laughs> <laughs> As we've established. Yeah. Um. You know. Third Eye Blind is just one of my favorite bands. I've, you know, I've listened to them my whole life. Absolutely love them. Um, Prince. Hell yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like, all the, all the greats, but yeah, Third Eye Blind is my favorite. Alanis Morissette. What about you, Spencer? I think, for, like, for me as a vocalist, one, once I started playing 
in a, in a band, um, I would listen to my heroes or, you know, songs that are classics or people, you know, and, and I would hear people like singers, especially do things. I'd be like, Oh, I can't do that. And then, you know, then it becomes like a car and shower and rehearsal, like practice, 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 build up the muscle, the, you know, until sometimes like I think back, like sometimes I'd had a song in my mind for, you know, like five years and I would keep coming back and try and sing it and try and sing it. And as I would get, um, you know, more practice, but, you know, Brandon Boyd of Incubus, like I was as a teenager, Incubus was my favorite band. I still absolutely adore their music. Um, and, and so, you know, he would do things or where he would, you know, be singing and then soar into falsetto or then like sing in this, this register, of like really like full, full voice, but very like pretty high. And, um, I don't know. I, I saw, I saw Incubus in concert quite a few times when I was younger and it was just like, he sounded exactly like the recordings when he was live and it was a, a big influence for me like oh that's that's a true professional that's like that guy is that guy's amazing you know and then so you know other just incredible vocalists like i mean how could i not mention chris cornell um yeah. you know but it's it's um it's amazing how my my listening of to music switched after starting to play music to you know, and even going to concerts and like in, in, and consuming other music, it's always, how did they do that? What happened? You know, like what, I wonder what mic or what vocal chain or what, you know, uh, how did they write that lyric or, you know, that kind of thing. Those are some of my instances. That's interesting you say that about the practice, because I remember hearing certain songs and thinking, oh, that sounds pretty simple. Let me try to learn that song. So I'd look up the music for it, <laughs> open my music book and be like, oh, crap that's really hard actually yeah and you know getting my hand on the guitar in certain uh -huh. positions it's just it was so painful at first so getting over that hump was really interesting but i would definitely have to break songs down like purple haze for example it sounded very simple and then it and then he's playing a particular chord in the beginning which is kind of complex so i would i wouldn't be able to play that part but i know i could hit the first little bit i tried to learn spanish castle magic at one point because it sounded so simple, and I was like, "Oh wow, that's a little more complex than it, than it actually sounds." <laughs> yeah. By the way, fun fact: I'm pretty sure I know the chord you're talking about on the Hendrix tune. It's the same chord at the end of "Welcome to the Jungle." By the way, which oh, is the same chord you after you play the "Welcome to the Jungle" riff. Jumping to that chord is not easy. Yeah, it's not. It's it's uh, yeah, it's a kind of E chord. I don't even know the full name. I just call it the Jimi Hendrix chord, which it's I think E sharp seven, I believe. Yes, that's it. That's it. But also, um, to, to your point, I would say for, for myself, Mark Knopfler is a big influence oh, on me. Yeah. Not that I, I, I don't, I don't claim to sound like any of my heroes, but uh, he is just incredible. And, and he is one of, those, one of these guys who has his own very unique style. And I, I love, of course, the song Money for Nothing. Yeah. And I've tried to play that riff and it is not, it's not easy to do. To sound like him and he i watched a video of him he's like oh yeah i just do this and this and this and he of course does it so effortlessly and i try to do it he's like that's not i can't how do you do that thanks mark <laughs> yeah. yeah right no it's true and he's one of those two that always blew me away because his clean playing is insane 
And Absolutely. he does it, as I recall, he's all finger pick too. He doesn't use a pick, I don't believe. So yeah, super you know. rarely he uses a pick. And I saw him a couple of years ago on tour when he came through Florida, and his his playing was just as fluid, if not better, than it was, you know, years ago. So wow. Yeah, it's that's awesome. Enough. Right on. So next question: what is the weirdest thing that's ever inspired you? What a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. The weirdest thing. Okay. Hang on. I think, um, I think some of the, some of the weird stuff. Um, okay. So we, we've traveled to Asia a few times and, uh, needless to say, the culinary experience can be surprise. (laughs) 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 And it's, it's, it's amazing because, uh, you know, on one end of the scale, it could be like the most delicious, incredible, amazing, brilliant, vibrant, incredible things to eat. And But you need a friend who speaks the language to help you navigate your way through. Um, so we ended up in some weird situations. And, you know, the, the phrase um, slimy is not one I'd like to apply to my food terribly often. Um, but, you know, just these these kind of weird experiences but um we wrote a song we haven't released it yet it's one of those ones that's been on the back burner but i was inspired by by these you know sights and smells and sounds and weird tastes and just like oh my god i'm not in kansas anymore kind of moments uh, <laughs> a song called wonder love um we didn't play on wanderlust mm-hmm. but uh you know that, that was probably one for me awesome oh oh yeah okay <laughs> that's a great answer okay so we have a song called the greatest mm-hmm. um i don't know if i'm allowed to it's swear. a deep cut it's a deep cut i don't know if i'm allowed to swear but it is it is oh it's fine go ahead um yeah I, basically the hook is i'm the motherfucking greatest <laughs> <laughs> i love that and, and it's uh it has like brass in it and it was just this thing that came about at practice and late night in the studio where we were all just laughing and just like you know, I'm the motherfucking greatest, you know, like, don't test me, I'm dangerous, like this kind of song. It's actually awesome. I love the song. That's um, a great lyric. We, yeah, but we had this... Was um, it just trying, you were trying to create Chuck Norris lines, each, so each we, line? Yeah, so we had the, this, like, chorus idea, and then it was like, okay, we're going to record, like, oh, oh sh- we're, we're, doing, we're doing this, right? Uh, we're recording it? Okay, so I need verses. Um... And so this, the way that like the whole, the whole feeling of the song, it was just like, oh, this just feels like one big Chuck Norris joke. And then I was like sitting there in the studio, like, oh, I can't, what do I, what do I say that goes with, I'm the motherfucking greatest. And so I opened this huge long list of Chuck Norris jokes and used them as inspiration for the lyrics. So it's like, it's me going bump in the night. Just to even the odds, I bring my knife to a gunfight. Is the you know is the first line. <laughs> never, never need to watch. Time is on my side. I shut off the dark when I bring the light. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, so Chuck Norris jokes. <laughs> I really hope you record that soon. I got it. Oh, it's recorded. It's out, man. It's um. Oh, it is out. We'll send it to you. We'll it's send on- it. Oh, the food one is the one that's not recorded yet. No, that's Wonder right. Love is not done. But right. uh, yeah, the, the greatest, greatest is on our on our monkey EP. Oh, good. 
Yeah. My favorite line is. Uh, <laughs> you gonna you gonna give it away? You gonna give it all away? I am. Okay. <laughs> yeah, give, give, give line. My favorite line is, "Your Jeep is too slow, and I'm a goddamn T Rex." <laughs> <laughs> I laugh. I try. I try not to laugh every time I sing along with the song. Anyway, there you go. But I, yeah, I can imagine that would be a challenge. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I I just you know I sometimes I wonder if, if somebody heard the song and wonder if I was taking myself that seriously. But I think it's pretty clear that we're just it's pretty tongue in cheek, you know. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> so, how has your art influenced other people? Oh man, I made my mom cry. Okay. <laughs> um, that counts. In a good way. No, yeah, in a good way. Not like I'm sorry, Mama. Anyway. Um, <laughs> oh man, Eminem quote in the house. <laughs> um, I think a um a big one for us is just like the audience reaction to when we perform live. Uh, what we're going for as a band is to like get people out of their own heads for a little while and that's why we do what we do and um you know when we perform like seeing it actually happen it's just extremely rewarding and humbling and uh yeah that's what i think yeah awesome. that's the main one is uh i mean you you were very kind about our live performance in the intro but um we we work very hard on it we practice it a lot we we spend we think about every second of the show and we're, you know, what are we, what can we do here to make it um, you know, more engaging or, or get people, you know, have it be more fun or, you know, a better experience. And when, yeah, we, we played a lot of shows by now. So I think a lot of people have, you know, that, that's probably the best one is just make people happy. I mean, I, I, I've just, I think this the simplest breakdown is when I hear live music, it makes me happy. And I think the same people, uh, I think people everywhere feel the same way. So. Right on. And that's huge. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, you know, after you get to a certain point too, it's just my own observation from doing it myself. It's like when you get to the point where you don't have to think about your performance because it's so developed and so refined, it actually makes it so much more of a, a product for the crowd, you know, and you guys definitely have that. So that's really, really well done. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Now shifting gears a little bit, do you have any pre-show or pre-studio rituals? Post-show rituals. <laughs> okay, we can do that too. Whatever you feel like telling me about. Um, I mean, oh, we like boba. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't like boba? We love boba. Okay, okay. We don't like always hunt for the best. We think we found the best. Yeah, saying we like boba is a huge understatement. Um, it, it comes from it comes from going to Taiwan, um, where which is the origination place of, of, of bubble tea. And so you know, we we really like it and consider ourselves connoisseurs. Um, you know, pre-show. I think I don't really have pre-show routines. I, it's it sounds funny. I, I but like um, you just like we done it so many like we could go perform right now you know and it, and it would be great fun and we go do the thing it's not a lot of like i've got to gird my loins to go <laughs> to go do it or like it's just like okay let's go play let's let's just go do it um a lot of the pre-show stuff is is the the hours in practice and like you know 
playing the song over and over again and that kind of stuff. Um, pretty studio routine. I don't know if I have to stretch my neck a little bit. <laughs> um, but not 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 a lot of like superstitious things. And I will say we fairly often will go smash a cheeseburger after after a particularly vigorous oh, you gigging. You will? I will. A steak and shake, baby. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, when we when when we were around steak and shake, we would go to steak and shake after after a show. Yeah. I would say for me the the show stuff, it's kind of boring, but it's just extra drilling on certain parts if I feel like I need need to to make sure that I like you said, don't have to think about it in the moment on stage. I hate to be like, uh, this part's coming up. What is it again? So I try to drill those as much as possible. And then my wife keeps me honest and she helps me make sure that I have every piece of gear that I need before we go to the show. Because there have been times where I've forgotten a capo or a cable or a guitar stand or something or strings. Um, and she's had to drive over an hour to go back home and to come bring me something. So um, it's making sure that I, that I don't forget anything, basically. Right on. It's true what they say, that behind every great man is a greater woman, isn't it? This is very true. I, I noticed that Leah's sitting behind Spencer, so that makes sense. <laughs> we're, we're in alignment with that analogy. That's good. <laughs> very, very true. It is a fact. <laughs> so what risks, if any, have you personally taken for the sake of your music? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I um, think the biggest one is moving out here to Los Angeles. Like, there are, I'm sure, a lot of people who want to do it, who have come out here to pursue their dream of whether it's music or acting or something else entirely. Um, but then there are a lot of people who haven't done it they've said they've been told hey you should come to la or i should or, or knowing okay i should move to la and then they just don't we have um we know some musicians who aren't playing music anymore or tried to come out to la it didn't work out and so to come out here all live together <laughs> and it's it's exciting and it's awesome and we love it but it definitely is a bit of a risk for sure i would say absolutely yeah Right on. Now, this next question for you guys, you're the first full band I've had on all at once. So I made this question specifically for you guys. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. What are your successful actions for managing your band dynamic? Oh. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, we, we started off good friends before we played music, which is great. But we have um we have some kind of like guidelines i guess that we use like when we're writing a song because i feel like that is a time when things can get contentious with some bands or like some artists is like the songwriting like no like i like it like this i gotta have my part in this or like no it shouldn't have that ah. we we have um yeah we use these guidelines where anytime anyone has any idea in songwriting we have a policy that you have to try it no matter what it is everybody's ideas they all you know they're all given the respect and we try everything and that kind of any any idea 
if we want to implement it, we all have to agree. <laughs> so I don't know. Right there, you kind of just eliminate a lot of, I don't know, a lot of fiery situations that bands get themselves into. Um, yeah, what do you think, Spencer? Yeah, that's that was a huge one. Is like we we said in stone that if you if you're gonna sorry if you're gonna be a you know if you're gonna be part of the group then this is this is the rule like if, you, if we're writing a song if you have an idea first of all if you have an idea you better say it like like everybody wants to hear it and that was the that was the and you know the understanding being that the other two are always gonna listen. And even even if they're like, even if internally they're like, that's a terrible idea, it gets tried at least once, at least one time. And you know, our songwriting so often consists of like, you know, Leo be at the drum kit, me and Cal are going like, you know, you could do like here, you know, like this kind of crap, or Cal sitting there with a the guitar looking kind of like, huh, at us as we go, you know, but you could go like like this kind of weird stuff that happens but like i'm just admiring them they're so patient and so they do adhere to that that thing so well because and and sometimes it gets to you know you find the or the thing and you know it's like yeah that's not right and we hear it and we all go yeah it's not right but a lot of times it results in you know that thing gets played oh that's cool and then you know, say it's a guitar lick or something, Cal, because his ability is far outstretches mine that it will ever on the guitar. Or, you know, he then takes that and like makes it his own. And, you know, it, it evolves that way. So, you know, we decided to apply that to, it's a sort of an overarching, I'm so sorry about my computer. It's um, making noises. Uh, but anyway, it's a sort of an overarching thing of, of we are a team. So, you know, if 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 WD Han makes a dollar, we each make, you know, 25 cents. If 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 uh if we're trying to write a song, we write it together. And that's not to say that, you know, Leah couldn't bring a fully formed song right. and we couldn't play it. Um, but having heard it, like if Cal heard it and was like, that's great, I love it, let's record it, then great. But if he then was going, Oh my god, Leah, this is awesome. What about if we went to this chord here instead? Then the answer would be, let's try it. Let's try it out. And uh, that's that's kind of the way. Yeah, it's really trying to be as best we can to be respectful and uh, have as much communication, especially in that process. At least for for myself, I can I can honestly say I have never taken so much offense to like a simple, hey, what if we try this? And I'm like no it's perfect this is absolutely perfect and not no other aspect of my life have i felt so precious about something so we know it, it's a, it's a funny thing at least for for me personally of knowing like how precious i feel about something when i show it when i share it to them but they're amazing and respectful and we really do try as as much as we can to just not shoot down ideas before we try them and, or not say that's really stupid, man. Because I know that <laughs> if I was on the receiving end of that, I would be throwing up double birds. You know, like, <laughs> not really and I, I know I've, you know, maybe not handled things the, the perfectly every single time, but we really do try to to do exactly what they said. And every time we have a song, 
at the end of it all, we're all very happy with it. And that's the other thing is if one of us isn't totally satisfied about something, we, we keep working on it until we're all satisfied with it. And I feel like it pushes it to, to the next level as a product. Like, for example, with Good Man, um, it, it was one of the, I would say, the more uh, simple songs to write, but also there was an element of it that was a little more complex. Like, I mean, the whole song was written in like half an hour, I would say. But then the guitar solo, I was having a bit of trouble with it and they helped me through it. And it was nice because this time our us and our producer were all in the same city instead of flying him out to Florida and only having five days to cram in five songs. It was like being here, we have more time. And so I, I was a little like, it wasn't really hitting. The, the guitar solo wasn't really hitting correctly. So I was listening to more music. I heard a Third Eye Blind song called The Background, which uh, I, I tried a, a guitar solo, like something similar to what was in there. And they graciously were like, that's, that's great. Let's go record it and see how it sounds. And so I recorded it and it still wasn't really clicking. And then we kept working on it and working on it, working on it until it came up to be what, what it is today, um, which I feel like is really nice and it communicates with every other piece. Rather than, you know, you have certain things that it's like, oh, well, that doesn't really quite mesh well. So that that's one of the things that I feel like in real life, quote unquote, using what they just said, that's, that's how it went down. And, and to get that product is pretty awesome. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, I can say again, from my own experience, like you're vulnerable when you're, when you're putting yourself out there as a writer, it's like the music hasn't become the bands yet. It's just yours. So yeah. it's like you're up for potential censure and things. So it's really great that you guys have that approach. And that's a really key thing that I think a lot of people overlook. And also too, getting it to the point where you're unanimously happy with it is just going to make the performance better as well. Like it's yeah. going to get across better because no one's sitting there with a consideration on it. So I think that's really brilliant. Yeah. And then also like everybody's happy to play it live. It's not like, oh, well, I don't really like that song. Let's move on to the next one. You're right. So all, all these other things come into play as well. 100%. All right. So what's one thing about you that would shock everyone to know? Um, well, if you don't know us before we perform, like if you just see us perform and you find out after, finding out that we are two married couples, it shocks people. We get some crazy responses to that. People either like, wow, that's so cool. Or like, how can you do that? Like, what are you, like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you must have a really interesting home life and like all these things. I don't know. That, that shocks some people. <clears throat> Um, yeah, it definitely, I think it's, it's funny because the reactions we get, um, are, they, they run the gamut from like, whoa, that's so amazing. That's so, most people are like, that's so cool. You guys are married. But then there are definitely people that they just cannot deal. <laughs> like, what do you mean? How do you do that? Um, another yeah. thing I think that would shock people is, uh, you know, where rock musicians, uh, living in California, we are totally drug free. and um, that's something that's unusual, but I, I, I don't think any of us have ever even been drunk. Like it's just, we just don't drink or do drugs at all. Um, so that's kind of an unusual thing, which I think 
you know, like to people who know us as friends, maybe it's it's not unusual, but um, to anybody who's encountering us, we're like, you know, uh, that's, that's definitely different. <laughs> like, what were you on when you wrote Spaceman? Boba tea. Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> the Boba was good that day, man. <laughs> yeah, it was. No, that's awesome. And that's that's such a great example. I'm a big myself, like the it bothers me so much that people still get so dialed into that stuff. And I'm really happy to hear you guys say that. I, I kind of knew that, but I'm glad that you're vocalizing that, you're voicing that. That's that's a really important thing to to promote and to be an example for is to be clean as an artist. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I mean we've also the world in general have lost so many great artists to drugs or, you know, alcohol or whatever, you know, the first singer of ACDC, Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, all these guys, Kurt Cobain, sure. to one drug or another. And it's just a shame. Like I, I would love for them to still be alive and still creating music. So um, I think that's the way to go. It would be drug free. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the great, the great lie in our industry is, like that it helps creativity or something or that you know it's it's interesting or and um it, it's like couldn't possibly be further from the truth like you know having seen other musicians who have gone down that that road um you know even with weed i i can think of people who i know and have seen and it the result is um less output is honestly what I've seen, like less output, more more time spent worrying about doing that and less songs, less art coming out. And it just it's sad. It curtails that, you know, them and that their their art. So anyway, that's it's actually, you know, we we're I don't talk about it terribly often, but it's a pretty um close to our hearts important subject for us is is artists being being preyed upon um by people trying to make money off selling drugs basically is what it is and and uh you know being vulnerable to that to being squashed by that you know that predatory practice so we you know we want to be um poster children for that like it's it's all bullshit you don't need it absolutely and i fully agree with you i'm again very i'm absolutely the same viewpoint so i'm glad you're out there promoting that as successful <laughs> artists which you are <laughs> So what's the one thing or the one tool that you absolutely cannot live without as an artist and why? Um, the one tool. Mm -hmm. One tool. <laughs> you make, work with only this one tool. Flight of the Concords. Um, <laughs> for, for me, <laughs> it's for me the one tool, my, my favorite is is uh, Logic and my laptop. Like I, I, um, I know the industry, a lot of the industry uses Pro Tools and it's amazing software, but like Logic is 200 bucks. And I mean, that's not nothing, but considering what it does, it's like, <laughs> it's nothing. It's, un, it's unbelievable. And um, I feel like every, any kind of musical idea I could ever, um, I could ever conceive in my mind, like there's a tool, there's a plugin, there's a way to do it. And it's just right there on my computer. It works natively, I think. I don't mean to advertise it, but that's probably Apple my will give us a sponsorship. It's probably my can't live without. Um, I would. Do you want to say it or do you want to say? It? Um, this I would. Our answer. No, our, our answer, not Spencer's. So we, as a group, have, there's this uh, amazing individual, Duncan Warian, who has delivered music seminars all around the world, and it's called the Understanding of Music Seminar. Um, so we've done that quite a bit. 
and got a lot out of it. And I feel like we wouldn't be at this level without that information. So that that's a it touches everything we do. Yeah. We learn everything about music in one week and it's incredible. It sounds like witchcraft, but it's real. Um, so I'd say that. And then also for me, speaking of a tool, I love the Axe Effects. So I, I, that's my, my tool and I use it a lot. I go to work with all the tone, The tones out of the Axe Effects are ridiculous. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how good it sounds. No, it is true. And you use the FM six, as I recall, right? I use the uh, it's smaller, the FM three. I, I do oh, want the bigger yeah. one, but I yeah. use that one. Yeah, right on that. Yeah, no, and the tones out of your guitar are obscene. I mean, you also have a low guitar, which is pretty dope. So I'm sure yes, that helps. Absolutely. Tool number two or one A one B are the the Mike Lull guitars that I have are incredible, amazing company up in Seattle. So. Hell yeah. Yeah. Right on. So what has been the most difficult piece of music for you to create and why? I think for, uh, I mean, uh, I can answer for me. Um, I had a song that was about, um, we had like a, a long-term family friend who was, you know, like my, basically my grandpa. He wasn't by blood, but just, you know, as a guy who was around and, um, he passed away from cancer. So I wanted to write a song about the struggles of, of cancer. And so the concept, it wasn't, it wasn't like, obviously it was, it was a loss and it was emotional. I don't mean it was hard for me because I was like, like a wreck and couldn't do it. But the concept for me is I wanted to write an entire song about how much cancer sucks and losing somebody to cancer and specifically not getting to see him because he was, uh, you know, being taken care of in like a hospice place. And I, you know, I was like, okay, well, he's there. I just mistakenly thought that like he had, you know, it was like, okay, he might have a couple months there. And then I just got the, the call, like, okay, he passed away. And it was like, I didn't get a chance to go see him one last time and say, hey, I love you, you know, that kind of thing. So this, it's obviously a, an emotional like subject. I wanted to write the song without ever saying the word cancer. Um, so like the, the lyrics of it kind of dance around this concept and, you know, six little letters that rhyme with no answer and like all this kind of stuff. Um, so I had like a basic concept, but I, I couldn't finish it. And I don't know why. Um, not, not because like I couldn't think about it or anything. It just like, it just, I don't know, like I had this start to it and it just, it wasn't, I couldn't work out where the, where the chorus was going to go, where the song was going to go. And my teammates, my bandmates helped me navigate that. So eventually like a, quite a while later, we finished it and it ended up, the song's called Summertime Star Sign, um, you know, because Cantor is a, um, a star sign. Oh, right. And uh, I don't know if, I don't know if anybody, anybody, it's, because I specifically didn't say the word cancer, I think it's you know to some people they'll they'll get it, and maybe others they won't. But it can mean different, can mean different things. Different but um, I liked the way that it resolved at the end because you know the 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 verses are quite poetic because I wasn't using the word cancer, but the end of the song is is meant to be the most direct 
I'm not trying to write a lyric. I'm not trying to like, um, you know, how can I craft these words cleverly, which is a game I like to play, but um, it is the most direct communication I possibly could give, which is, I want you to know that I love you. I should have told you before you were gone. So that's the communication. That was the thing I was trying to say with the song. And then I was like, why don't I just say that? And so I say that like 10 times in a row as the music builds and Cal plays this like freaking tear jerking, amazing like guitar solo behind. And um, that was the ending the song needed. And it, it came out as something that was like, that is exactly the piece that I wanted to have to, to honor my, my family and, and to give to anybody else in the world who has lost someone to cancer. And I hope, you know, it's it's sitting there as a as a song that I don't talk about very much, but that that was a difficult one because it just couldn't work out how to end it, how to give give it a an ending worthy of the song. And but I'm really happy with what happened. Right on. Leah, Cal, anything to add? Or is that I, covering you guys too? I mean, Cal, I'm gonna answer for you. Cal talked about the solo and good man. And yeah. he I just want to say he came back to that. A bunch of times and in my estimation every single time he came back to it the solo he made was amazing like dude that's awesome <laughs> but he to his full credit like persisted like a madman um no it's not it's not right yet i gotta keep going so i don't know if that was the hardest but it was definitely cool to see yeah that i mean that was definitely an interesting situation i'm happy that i had the time to do it we weren't under any kind of time crunch um I, in addition to that, I would say actually writing for me straight lines. There, there was, even though the song generally is a pretty simple song, there were just elements to it where for me, it was similar to Good Man and like, this isn't quite right yet. Like, I know, I know we'll get it. Once we, once we get it right, it's going to be right. And we just added in, you know, little pieces here and there and it clicked. So more recently, I would say that one. Yeah, it's not as uh, personal as Spencer's, but a different kind of struggle, I guess, with it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that can mean it means whatever it means to you. You know, your interview, your question. So if that answers the question, fabulous. Means. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were going to write a book about your career up to this point, what would you title it? Yeah, Boba Quest. <laughs> <laughs> love that um you know I, I don't know okay i'm just uh, gonna i'm just gonna interject while you while you're thinking about an answer so we were on on the radio uh in florida and we were asked this question if you could write what was on your tombstone what would it be and spencer went first and he had the perfect line so this is gonna i know this is gonna be perfect he was like he lived he rocked. And that was the end. <laughs> so when you asked me the question about the book, I was thinking of that. They live, they, they, they rock. They live, they they rock. I don't know. <laughs> but Boba to like that a lot. Um yeah, so. subtitled Boba Quest. I don't know. Or Boba Quest <laughs> subtitled they they rock. Maybe you use them both. I don't know. Yeah. I like yeah. it. I like it. Yeah. That encapsulates everything we love. They also go to the movies sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. Well, that's the sequel. That's the follow. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Here we go again. 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 
So I have two more questions for you. My first one is, what are your plans for world domination? I'm to dominate the world. Oh, okay, good. Picking the brain styles. <laughs> <laughs> Same as we do every night. That's right. <laughs> what do we do? Okay, so, you know, um, our, our plans are, uh, I don't know if we, world domination is, is a great one. I, basically, we're going to keep making music no matter what happens. We make music for um, the people who are listening and we love we loved our, our audience and are honored to, to have them listen. So we're gonna keep doing that. Uh, we're gonna consistently, we have two songs where we're, we're, Cal's going to the studio the second we finish the fall. We're tracking new music, we're releasing songs, we're shooting music videos, we're playing out, we're playing the, the Poppy Festival um, on Saturday, on Saturday, up by Santa Clarita, um, and like we're we're very we're very busy. Like we're just you know constantly um, wanting to to help people you know find our band and 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 listen to the music and with the end goal of like Leah said earlier, just you know popping them out of themselves and having a good time. We just want to make make people happy, and uh, you know do do it in a way that. Um, you know, that, yeah, that, that's just basically it. We're just going to keep, keep, keep doing what we're doing. The thing, the thing that I think has long come and gone, you know, a lot of people start playing in a band when they're, you know, like, you know, play a band in high school. And then it's just a thing they did. Um, coming, bringing it sort of full circle to the first, you know, question or two of, you know, when, when I performed for the first time, I know these guys felt the same way when they were performing as, you know, the first few times. It was not, it was not like, oh, this is a fun thing to do and like hang out. And it's, a, it's like, it's like an after school activity. Like, this is my, this is my life. This is the, this is my purpose. This is what I want to do. This is, this is my whole, this is the game that I'm going to, the thing I'm going to do. So, you know, being here, here in LA, we're, you know, about, just under a year into our our journey here and it's been it's a whole new world and we're just kind of let the world know we're here keep playing and making music and talking about it and appearing on wonderful podcasts like this one and you know doing our thing right on all right and then my last question and just to, to revisit the introduction to this podcast so the show not only showcases the best of independent artists but also explores what inspires them what drives them and what they consider their fundamental purpose as an artist to be so guys what's your truth mm. fundamental purpose as an artist i mean um. for i mean for me i go back to what i said before is that like i want to get people out of their own heads People, you know, this is a crazy world and people spend a lot of time going around worrying about things or being upset or, you know, they're, you know, life is hard and there's a lot of stuff going on. And for us to be able to give someone relief from that, even for a minute is like, that is why we do what we do. That is that is our purpose and you know it it's the most fun it's the most fun thing in the world that we could possibly be doing and we will never stop yeah and I, i'll just to add to that we really just love to entertain the audience really and especially thinking about when when the pandemic was in 
you know, full war. And there was the chance of no more entertainment industry as a whole. It was very dark days, you know. But then when when you see a great movie, when you see, when you read an amazing book, when you hear a great song, it is so inspiring, at least for, for us. And so to give that to others, to if we also inspire them to pick up an instrument or maybe to go and create some sort of other piece of amazing art like that, then we did our job. So. Right on. Yeah. Very cool. Spencer, anything perfect. else? Or did they take the words right yeah. out of your mouth? No, they nailed it. That's that's great. Wow, the wow. finger rendered speechless. That's impressive. <laughs> hey, oh, <laughs> nice job. Rhythm section for the win. Yeah. All right. That and that was honestly, I just love, I love your viewpoint. I love you guys are fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> and that is such a great purpose. Just and it's simple, you know. And that's been kind of one of the common things too that I've come across is, you know, a purpose. The more simple the purpose, the more powerful. And it's a simple purpose to do what you just said. But God, how much of a difference does that make in a person's life when you can do that for them? Get them out of their head. Get them to find their their desire to do this crazy music thing and finding their passion and their purpose. Like simple thing, but so powerful. So I, I yeah. it's amazing. Thank you for thank you for laying that out. So. So, all right, before we end off here, I did want to give you guys 60 seconds to plug anything you have coming up. 60 seconds of everything WD Han. Floor is yours. Okay, so last or recently, we dropped our latest single, Good Man. It's called Good Man. It's available to stream. What's it called? Good Man. Oh, it's available to stream on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, all the places. Every streaming service. Every iTunes. streaming service. Um, so the, the most important thing is go listen to Good Man. Go add it to your playlists. Stream it on repeat. We want you to hear the song. We just shot an incredible visualizer video, which will be coming out shortly. So get ready. Go subscribe to us on YouTube to see that. And there's a full music video in the works, which will be out in not too long. We're also in the process of shooting videos for our rec other recent song, Straight Line. So Good Man is a emotional amazing like rock ballad straight lines is blues rock and it's like the two sides of our band we, we, <laughs> and if so go listen to those two songs check them out um follow us on instagram we are posting a lot of content there and it's hilarious and awesome and just we're having a good time if you use tiktok then go there too so that's the main thing we are playing the poppy festival um just north of la here on saturday so if you're in the the Southern California area, go to our Instagram. You can see details there and then keep your eyes out because we're releasing new music all the time. Um, so follow us on Spotify. You know, that's, that's the thing. That's what's happening. Amazing guys. Well, again, thank you so much for being here with me and for everyone watching. This has been the what's your truth podcast. We'll see you on the next episode later. Thanks for having thank us. You for having us. See you. Absolutely. Yeah, you follow your own rules and you preach them on to me. your truth oh what's your truth now you got down on your